Today on Power Tips Unscripted, we talk to Doug Howard, Director of Consulting for Remodelers Advantage and Long-Term Small Business Advisor. Today he's going to talk to us about the main business challenges faced by remodelers and what you can do about them. All that and more in just a minute. You had me at hello. It looks like a miracle. It's in the hole. It's in the hole. Hi, I'm Victoria Downey, your host of Power Tips Unscripted. Here with my co-host Mark Harari, VP and Chief Marketing Officer here. At hey, everybody! Advantage. How are you doing? So we're really pumped about uh, doing this podcast today and working with Doug Howard. Doug's one of the newest members of the Remodelers Advantage team, and we're really psyched to have him because he has had some vast experience working with small business owners all over the area, all types of businesses, with a specialty helping them navigate rapid and game-changing growth, something that a lot of remodelers are facing right now. In addition, Doug's been an elected official. He's been the coordinator of an entrepreneurship program at a local community college. And he's the proud father of six, count them, six kids. Now, anybody who can manage six kids should know a lot about management, wouldn't you say, Mark? Absolutely. (laughs) I can't even imagine six kids. (laughs) Two are enough for me. I know. I think every kid needs at least three parents personally. So I don't know how you're doing that, Doug. (laughs) But anyway, welcome aboard. Well, thank you. I'm glad to be here. So, you know... You haven't been a part of Remodelers Advantage for very long, but you've had a lot of experience working with small business owners. Give us a little brief background on how you fell into that. Sure. Um, Well, I started uh, back in 1989 as the marketing director for a small business accounting company that did consulting and business planning and worked for them for about seven years, became their training director, and then eventually the president of the company. And then I bought four of the offices the company had. So I had businesses in Arizona, Alabama, Virginia, and here in Maryland. So that's really how I get into the business. Now, when you have, when you had your company um, growth team strategies, you were really actively consulting with a lot of your clients, right? A lot of the people who also bought accounting services from you. What were some of the main challenges you saw in those small businesses? Well, the biggest challenge in growth team strategies really came out of the period of time in the 2008, 2009 period of time where businesses were really struggling and then things started to get better and growth was a little challenging because people just didn't know what to do with the unknown. You know, was it time to add that next crew? Was it time to open a second store? Everybody was so skittish from the the lean years uh, that it had just occurred that it really became hard for people to confidently grow. And a lot of times they were just all over the place in terms of how they were growing. So we started looking at what were the successful patterns for folks that were growing what got them through that period of time, and also uh, how much of it could we predict. So that really was uh, the focus of, of growth team. Now, later uh, today, you were going to be doing a a webinar on uh, some of the issues that people are facing, especially with cash flow, because that's a pretty big issue in for all small businesses, right? It is in all small businesses, but I think what I've really uh, honed in on pretty quickly is that Uh, In the remodeling industry, it's particularly a challenge because there are fewer but larger transactions. So some of the things you would normally do to jumpstart cash flow if you were a little bit behind are things that are hard to do in this industry. So it makes planning and having an awareness of where you are even more important, I think, in this industry than than most others. Well, how do you mean? I mean, why is is the, the number of transactions, why does that have an issue or why does that have an effect? 
Well, because you think about it, if I have a pizza place and my cash flow is down, my sales are down, I can put out a coupon or have a special event or whatever. I can generate lots of little transactions in between. And even those in this industry that do, you know, handyman work and things like that, there's lots of little things between the big projects that you can do mm -hmm. to generate more cash flow. But if I've got four projects and, you know, the next draw is three weeks from now, and it's just a certain amount of work that has to happen between now and then, there's really fewer levers that I have to generate interim cash flow while I'm dealing with the bigger challenges of maybe fixing my pricing or looking for better jobs to do or improving my production. Okay. So it's sort of the in-between things that have to happen when you're trying to get back on track that are harder to do if you don't have small intermittent transactions. I see. That makes a lot of sense. And we really saw that during the recession. And even now, if somebody has a big job and it drops out of production, it can cause havoc on the whole, on the whole business. It throws everything into, array, into disarray. Now, yeah, I don't think there are any cash flow issues that aren't in some way related uh, to production in, in some fashion. Well, that's an interesting thought. How do you mean? Well, because so much of the cash flow depends on the workflow that really when we start looking at these issues, unless you're just completely priced wrong, uh, which, you know, most people are, are doing better than that. It really comes down to how is the job flowing? Where are we getting hung up? Where are the delays? And how is that impacting getting that next draw or getting to the, the next point where there's a payment due? Okay. So in addition to cash flow, what are some of the other challenges you're seeing? You mentioned to me the other day, I mean, you're working with a bunch of, of remodelers right now all over the country. And I know that you said that you're really seeing some commonalities in the challenges that they're facing. So what are you seeing? Well, I think one is, is really this whole notion of how to grow and when, and this notion of really sort of uh, kind of stair-step growth. In other words, for me to get to the next level, I've got to be willing to put on some more staff. I've got to be willing to add some more resource and being able to grow just out ahead of that so that I know that I'm going to be able to accommodate the extra cost that I'm going to have to grow uh, is really important. I think budgeting is a huge deal in any business. And I think uh, in this industry, you know, it's, it's as important as any other. And so the folks that are out there doing a really good job of it are benefit, benefiting from it. Um, but I think there's room for improvement when people are putting together budgets, not to just take last year's numbers and bump them up a little bit, but really to go through and think about every line item and why they're setting that number to be uh, the budget um, that they are. Um, so that's one of the things we're talking about. We're talking about things like lean. How do we improve processes? How do we make sure we're on a steady process to get things to be easier to do, faster to do, less obstacles in the way? And they all kind of feed into this overall notion that if I price a job right, stay on top of it, get it done timely, uh, and collect my money, that the remodeling business can be extraordinarily uh, uh, successful. As far as um, growing too fast or too quickly, how how much is too rapid a growth? Like, you know, 200%, 50%, 5%, how much is too much? You know, it's funny. A lot of it depends on the individual company. I think when you get out much beyond 20, 25%, um, you need to start looking at, do I already have capacity? For some companies that have had sales drop off or maybe that have capacity more than what uh, they might currently need, they can probably grow a little bit more than that. But if you're working pretty much at a full, you know, uh, people's jobs are fully loaded and you're growing faster than that, the question then becomes, when am I going to add that next expense and how quickly can I make up the revenue uh, to cover that? 
So uh, I start looking about in that range to say, well, show me where we have capacity or show me how we're really going to be able to do this without getting too far ahead of ourselves. So if somebody is at capacity, let's say all the everybody's maxed out, and they're, they're hustling, what would you suggest to them? If, they, if you do, We run into a lot of our members, a lot of the remodelers we work with, they want to grow, especially right now, man, let's make hay while the sun shines because it's hot market. They want to grow like crazy, but if they're at capacity, what are you going to tell them? Well, one of the things we're going to even talk about on the webinar today is this idea of successive organization plans. To be able to take your staff and lay out the next two, three, five years, tell me what staffing level you're going to have to have to be at $3 million if you're at $2 million, and a couple of steps to get there. And then we figure out an interim budget to say, okay, well, before we're going to put that next production manager on or before we're going to add someone to be the office manager, where's that money going to come from? If we can see a path to say, okay, well, the growth pace is enough that we know someone can get to that next level uh, and we can cover the cost, well, then we got ourselves a game plan. A lot of times we're a little bit wishful thinking either in terms of we'll be able to find people to fill those slots or we'll be able to stretch our people uh, into positions that either A, maybe is a bit of a stretch for them or B, they may not even have any interest in. And that's where it starts to be a bit of a challenge because the whole ball game for growth to me is, having the right staff in place to be able to grow. Are there clues that you look for or things that you can see that tell you that people are growing too fast, that's starting to implode? Yeah, I mean, you start to see things like, um, you know, well, certainly on the, on the personnel side, you see people really stretching into lots and lots of different boxes on the organization chart. Um, you see uh, also that really the strain of the jobs is showing up financially. So maybe either in terms of payables or in terms of the margin a little bit, but you start to see that, well, we're getting beyond sort of that comfort zone because it's, it's not a straight line. You know, you sort of go up, but when you're having a growth year, other numbers kind of uh, almost go the wrong way a little bit, um, which is okay as long as it's planned. Um, but a lot of people just think that, well, if I'm doing X number of dollars, our next number of uh, uh, profit at $2 million, well, then it'll just look very similar, uh, but a bigger number at $3 million. Not realizing that that may be true, but in between, there's going to be some things that look uh, concerning and are concerning is, you know, if the costs get out ahead of the growth. Mm-hmm. Now, with your consulting clients, I mean, again, you're working with a number of them. What do you look at first to find out where they are, what their situation is, and it, and how do you put that in conjunction with their goals? Well, I really look at three things. Um, uh, one is the same thing that I know we look at in roundtables and we talk about a lot of the different things that the remodelers advantage does, and that's really, you know, sales, gross profit, overhead, and net. You know, what, what, what are we doing in those four areas? The second thing I really look at is the organizational chart and really how many roles the owner is playing in that chart, how many times we're seeing that they're just doing lots and lots of things. Um, and then the, really the third thing I do is spend a lot of time talking to the owner about what's keeping them up at night, uh, because that's really where the crux of uh, the business challenges usually find themselves. Uh, and, and a lot of times those are very specific to the individual company. And sometimes they have very little to do with the operation of the business. Sometimes they're personal issues. Sometimes they're, you know, people working with family or a business partner. Uh, there's a lot of dynamics that go into these businesses that have a huge impact on um, the operations. So that's usually the things I start with. So if, let's say you were working with 
a partners partnership if you find that two people are on different pages they have different visions how do you address that what do you do to deal with it well one is is you know really to determine first of all are they on different pages in terms of where they're going or just in terms of how they're getting there so one of the things i like to do is take each of them offline have them paint a picture of where they want to be in four or five years a lot of times we find that that picture is very similar but the path to get there is very different and so kind of working backwards, then it's a matter of kind of breaking things down. Usually what happens is partners, uh, and I've had partners myself, they want to get there by the avenue that they're most comfortable with. And, and everybody's different. So, you know, if I'm the sales guy, then I say, well, let's just go ramp up sales. We'll worry about staffing later. If I'm the org guy, I might say, well, let's make sure our staff's ready for growth and then we'll grow. Um, and the real challenge comes into getting partners to truly divvy up what they're doing and having trust that not every partner has to be in every decision uh, and they have to be able to communicate, keep each other in the loop. Uh, otherwise, if you just have two people doing everything together, you don't really have a partnership. You have more like business Siamese twins is really what you have. <laughs> I'm, I'm curious, Doug. Uh, I've heard multiple um, viewpoints on this. Do you think uh, partnerships... 50-50 or 51-49, which, which is the better way to go? Um, it, it's terrible. I'm, I'm, a, I'm really not a huge fan of partnerships unless there's a great reason to have one. Two different people bring two very different things to the table. Um, but I definitely believe someone's got to be uh, making the final decision. I think someone has mm -hmm. to have that 51% or you have to have an awfully good operating agreement uh, to make sure that there's a final decision maker. And what people don't realize is you can actually structure the decision-making of a company in a way that it's clear, even if the profits get split differently. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm, I'm a big believer in having someone be able to make the final decision. So let's say you've got a partnership and they're in different roles in the company. Should they get paid the same amount or how, well, how should that yeah, all work? I actually don't think they should, but it's always a touchy subject. <laughs> I think people should really separate uh, their salary and what they do working for the company from the benefits of ownership of the company. And, you know, just like if, if I was working in a company and brought someone in to be a minority investor, you know, they, they would get a much smaller percentage maybe of the profit. Uh, the fact is with partners, you really want to have that, that work line up with what we're paying them from a salary standpoint. So now if I had a, a partner that was sort of the, the head of operations and, and really running the company and another partner that had a role within the company, I think their salaries should be disparate, but then I'm also very comfortable with them getting to the bottom line and taking a 50-50 split mm -hmm. if they both have ownership in the company, both put money in and, and that kind of thing. Um, but it is an incredibly difficult conversation I to bet. have <laughs> because partners, you know, once they've come out of the gate 50-50, um, then it's very subjective. It's like, well, I know I haven't done as much in the last three years, but remember that year when I sold more than you did or, you know, whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. So there's lots of different issues that, uh, that make it a tough conversation. Do you, uh, do you feel that uh, going down this partnership train, um, when the partnership is husband and wife team, what, what do you think? Easier, harder, more different um, challenges? I, I commend folks that, that can be in that situation and, and do it well. And I think there are some. I think there's, there's, a, there's a good number of folks that really, uh, they work very, very well together. Um, 
it definitely adds a different dynamic, uh, no question about it. Uh, I think sometimes people underestimate that even if they work well together, it adds a very odd dynamic for the people working around them. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, how do I go to my boss and tell him the real problem I'm having uh, is uh, with her husband or with his wife? Um, I've also learned as a consultant to go and make sure that I ask who's related to who on a project, because <laughs> one of the very first consulting projects I did, I came back and evaluated staff and said, you know, everybody seems to be doing a great job here except this one person. She doesn't seem to be doing hardly anything. And turns out that was uh, the business owner's second wife who had a different last name. So that went really well. <laughs> a, little, uh, a little tricky there. Well, yeah. So so now you get the label. But it is. It, it has a different dynamic. And the one thing it does when the business starts struggling, if it ever does, is I think it, it multiplies the challenge of handling that. There's no... Um, outside source of income. There's no somebody else to go home to that maybe had a good day on the job. It's when the weight of the business starts wearing on them, it starts wearing on them uh, exponentially. So that, that, that is a really tough situation. You know, one of the things that I've called on you to help our clients with is when they're really in some dire situations with the business. It's just things are going south, uh, there's debt, things like that. And I've been calling on you to step in because you seem to really know how to get to the meat of things quickly. Can you give us some, you know, what do you look for there? How do you go about that? Or how do you help these people? Well, I, th- I think the first thing is they have to have a recognition that there's, a, that there's an issue. Um, sometimes uh, what happens is very quickly when there's a cash flow problem, people feed the problem. They can get financing somewhere else or they can open a line of credit or they can get personal money. And, you know, when they're doing that two, three, four times, they need to realize there's something really wrong that needs to be addressed. And at that point, it's usually much more fixable than it is if they wait until they're truly exhausted those resources uh, and then need to deal with things. So the first thing is really just getting a very quick handle on, well, how bad are things? What resources do we still have left? Then it's really isolating um, you know, what do we need to do in the very, very short one, you know, 60 to 90 days, just to make sure cash keeps flowing. Operationally, what needs to keep happening? Subs need to keep getting paid. Suppliers need to keep getting paid. If we are going to be able to pay everybody, then we need to communicate because most people are comfortable with working with folks, especially if you've worked with them for a while, unless you go silent, then they really freak out, especially uh, in this day and age. Mm-hmm. So if we do those three things and get ourselves sort of a short-term game plan, then it's like, okay, now we got to get to the root problem. Now, why are we having this issue? Uh, is it pricing? Is it terms? Is it whatever? Um, but because a cash flow issue is usually not an issue itself, it's usually the, the symptom of another problem. Now we get in to figure out what the problem is. Well, usually those things, corrective action, takes you know some time. It might take six to nine months. It depends on how many jobs I have in the pipeline that I've already quoted, those kinds of things. So then we got to kind of come out of that emergency situation and say, okay, how do we stay even keeled during this second sort of period of time just to get to the point where the good decisions we're making now start to show up? The other big part of it is, is really keeping the business owner's head in the game. The hardest thing for a business owner when things start going awry is that, um, you know, they have a very limited scope of folks to talk to. Uh, it's great when they can reach out to peers. So I think that's a huge benefit. Uh, of some of a lot of the things that, uh, that we do with roundtables uh, and, and the company as a whole. But also, 
um, people need to realize that even when folks are putting a good face on it, this is on their mind all the time. And so a lot of times the conversations are really just getting them to get their head back in the game because most of them play too direct a role in the company to be half out of it or discouraged or whatever uh, and still be effective all day long. And that just makes matters worse. Okay. So. Yeah, I can definitely see that. A lot of the people that are listening are remod- they own remodeling businesses that are under a million. It might be 500, 600,000 in revenue annually. A lot of those folks struggle with who to add to the staff first. What position will, will be most beneficial to them and the company? What would you suggest as a first and second hire for the smaller businesses as they begin to grow? Well, I, I think you've got to have um, more capability in sales and someone, and you've got to really be able to ramp production up to where you're going to want it to be at the level you're headed. So, you know, a lot of the folks I'm looking at are saying, okay, I need my first production manager, but I also need someone in sales. For each one, the sequence of those two really depends a lot on what's going on in the company. And frankly, some of it depends on what the owner likes to do and what they're good at. But I think between those two, um, that's usually uh, the next best hire. Okay. All right. Great. That's good stuff. Yeah. But, um, you know, Doug, I got to tell you, you know what time it is? And now, here's a Remodeler's Advantage Lightning Round. It's a trap. All right. It's time for the lightning round. Let's end this bad boy with some good questions. You ready? Yes, sir. All right. Put 60 seconds on the clock. Here we go. <laughs> What's your favorite business book and why? Uh, my favorite business book right now is The Founder's Mentality because it talks about how to grow a company basing it on why you went into business in the first place and the passions and the principles of the business owner. If you weren't a consultant and facilitator, what do you think you'd be doing? Uh, I would definitely be a high school history teacher. <laughs> That's cool. What are you not very good at? Uh, any sort of home improvement or anything that involves <laughs> tools in any way. Your room, your desk, or your car? Which do you clean first? The desk, always. If you could only choose one song to play every time you walked into a room for the rest of your life, what would that song be? Uh, Making it, which was a big, a big hit in the late 70s. <laughs> if you could get rid of any state, which one would it be and why? I would say Arizona. Uh, your time's up. Uh, I stumped you. <laughs> I love that book. That sounds awesome. I can't wait to read that one. It is a good one, yeah. All right, so I really appreciate you being here with us. This has been awesome. I, I just love digging into these challenges of small business. Um, so tell people how, if they want to learn more about what you do and how you do it and how you help these remodelers overcome these growth challenges, how do they reach you? How do they get a hold of you? Uh, really uh, easily. They can email me at uh, Doug at remodelersadvantage.com and uh, tell me a little bit about what's going on and, and uh, we'll get right back to them and start a, start a conversation. It's always interesting to get in, into the individual stories of each business. Mm-hmm. I think that's one of the most fascinating parts of working with all these business owners, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. So thank you so much. That was awesome. So Doug, before we go, we want to end with your five words of wisdom. What are they? My, my five words of wisdom are know your numbers, then act. Okay, nice. perfect. I love it. All right, thanks, Doug. Appreciate right, it. Talk to you soon. That was awesome. Yeah, I love it. Again, you know, just talking about small business, it's I could do that all day long. Yeah, yeah, Doug's great. And, you know, like I say, 
coaching and consulting, you always get what you pay for. (laughs) That is very true. Have you ever had any experiences with that? I did have a a tennis coach when I was younger. Yeah? And, uh, you know, my parents didn't have a lot of money, so we had to, um, they had to kind of not pay for the top level coach. He was good. He was was a good guy. He didn't have any arms. (laughs) That must have been challenging. Yeah. It was it made the lessons interesting, but but he was great. Um, anyway, all right. Well, that's been it's been a good episode. Yes, de- definitely enjoyed it very much. All right. Thanks for being here, folks, and we'll see you uh, in the next episode. Yep, next time on Power Tips Unscripted. This has been another episode of Power Tips Unscripted, the Remodeler's Guide to Business. Visit www.remodelersadvantage.com to learn more about Roundtables, our world-class peer advisory program. There you can also find information about our business consulting services, upcoming live events, and much more. And finally, don't forget to subscribe to the show and comment on iTunes. Thanks for listening. It's a beautiful day.